Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast on the Online Media Outlet Network is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Having a high sports IQ is important. Just look at LeBron James right now. He's figured out a way to play all 48 minutes in a playoff game without getting tired. He had the freak ability, but now he's added the smarts, the high IQ. But when it comes to hiring, guess what? You don't need a high hiring IQ. You just need ZipRecruiter. Their powerful technology scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience for your job. So effective, 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. My listeners can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. We're also brought to you by HBO. Yeah, screw it. We're doing a final show with them. Incredible. Uh, I am in San, I'm in San Francisco right now going to game one tonight. We're going to talk about that in a second. And we announced it on Tuesday. The show is called Courtside at the NBA Finals. We're at Media Day yesterday taping a whole bunch of stuff. I am very excited about this show. So yeah, if you don't have HBO yet, go get it. Get it any way you can. It's going to be good. June 19th. Also, speaking of plugs, the rewatchables. We are two episodes into our 20-episode season. Chris Ryan, Sean Fantasy, and I did Training Day. It went up today. I would argue it's in it's one of the top three rewatchables podcast uh, we've ever done. I still think Heat's the best one. Um, I'm not sure what number two is, and Training Day's in the top three because it really turned into a referendum on how much we all love Denzel, what his best movie was, best performance. If you love Denzel, and by the way, it's not American. It's un-American if you don't like Denzel. If you love Denzel, and I know you do because who doesn't love Denzel? I would listen to this one. The best part is we called Shea Serrano at the end. I called him and he came in like Eric Gagne in 2003 in the Dodgers and just threw 101 miles an hour for 10 minutes on Denzel to close the podcast out. So that is the rewatchables. Uh, I think that's one of the best podcasts we do at The Ringer. Check that out. Subscribe right now. Coming up, I'm going to talk about uh, the Brian Colangelo piece that we had on The Ringer. Um, and these five Twitter accounts that may or may not be linked to him in some way. And I'm also going to talk about NBA Finals narratives heading into game one tonight. And then we are going to talk to Rich Kleiman, who is uh, Kevin Durant's business partner, but has a really interesting story in his own right of how he uh, came to be where he is and uh, a fascinating perspective on basketball players and all the opportunities they have in 2000. 18, which is kind of timely because we got LeBron, Durant, Curry. All these guys are mini brands. That's all coming up first. Pearl Jam. All right, we're taping this in San Francisco. I'm in my hotel room. Nephew Kyle is here. He uh, does not look too worse for wear yet. Give it a couple days. We're going to be here for the whole finals. We're going to be doing a whole bunch of pods with some fun people uh, working on this HBO show. And uh, and hopefully we can entertain you on this feed. It was a big week for The Ringer. We had a piece um, that might have been might have had the biggest impact of any piece we've had either at the ringer or at Grantland. Just, um, it just blew up. We put it out on the perfect night. It was a Tuesday night right after this really, really compelling run of basketball games. All of a sudden there was nothing there. And then this piece popped up. It's a piece we were working on for a few months, 
Ben Dietrich wrote it for us. Chris Ryan, uh, the editorial director of The Ringer, he he was the uh, the main person editing it and working on it with Ben. They covered all the details of the behind the scenes stuff over uh, over at the Ringer NBA show. So if you missed that, um, go check that out for a couple extra things. There was a lot of material to work with. And basically, I, I don't even know if you would call it an investigation. I think it was, this This is weird. What is this? Let's keep digging. Hmm, what, this, this tip that Ben got that these accounts may or may not have been linked and what's what's the commonalities with them and all that stuff. And Ben just kind of dug in and uh, and turned out to be a pretty incredible story. It's still shaking out. We're going to see. Um, we're going to see how it plays out over the next few weeks with Philadelphia. And if we're ever going to find out who was linked to those five accounts, it's turned into on the internet. There has been a lot of sleuthing. There has been a lot of uh, people... Um, the, almost like they're hunting down uh, a murder suspect or something. It's 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 a story that that brings a lot of stuff to the table that makes the internet both crazy and fun and weird and all the things that we've really gotten used to the last twenty years. But for us, you know, ironically, tomorrow is the two year anniversary of the Ringer. We launched it on June first, two thousand sixteen. And, uh, you know, we went through this, a few of us went through this before when we were launching Grantland and, you know, you launch a site and you hope some things work. You, you're betting on a lot of new people. Um, in, a, in this case, this time around, we were betting on a lot of younger people too. And it takes, it takes a while for people to get a feel for each other, for the relationships to deepen, to figure out what the attitude of the site is, to figure out what works and doesn't work. And, I think we've had a pretty good handle on it now for, I would say, nine to 10 months, what we're good at, what we're not good at, um, the passion points that we have, um, how to use the staff. Now now you hit a point, it's almost like putting together a football team where you know, year one, you're just trying to hang on and survive. Year two, you kind of know what you are, you're settling into what you are, and the, and the relationships are deepening, and you're just kind of figuring it out. And, and it's all good. And that's a really fun stretch. And it was the same thing at Grantland. The second year at Grantland, we really were starting to figure out who we were, what the voice was, and people just start get com getting comfortable and they're getting better and they're getting better behind the scenes and they're getting better as writers and all this different stuff. This site had a pretty different direction than I think uh, Grantland did because we were leaning much more heavily right away on multimedia stuff and especially the podcast network, which we knew from our Grantland experimentation was going to be a big part of what we did. The video, social, all the different opportunities you have. We have, you know, chance to produce shows with HBO and a couple other places. And, and uh, so it was a little more ambitious, but at the same time, it was fundamentally, it's the same kind of arc. You're just trying to get better. Um, and, and just keep plugging away and you hope some good things happen. And for us, like the attention that the Colangelo story was able to bring the site this week was great for us because we've been doing good work for uh, a while here. And I think we've really found um, what our niche is, what the passion points are and things like that. And we're just going to keep getting better. So, you know, you learn along the way that you need some victories. And when you have these victories of just good content that stands out, 
it brings people that may not might not know about your site, might have might have forgotten about it, might have tried it out and not come back. Um, or like, what's this? What's going on? It's it's just important. And it was just ironic that this happened the week before um we turned two, basically, because two is not a long time, you know? And and I really think like if you're thinking about as somebody who's had two kids, if you have a website, two is two does not equal a two year old kid. I would say two probably equals maybe two months per year for a human, you know, uh, or maybe three months per human years or whatever. Um, I would say as if this site was a human being, it would probably be like age 10. Um, but kind of a, a confident, mature age 10. But, you know, you, you're going to keep growing. I think the one thing that we've kept in mind with this site is you just never know what's going to happen. You never know. You hire somebody to do one thing and they end up being better at something else. You try something and it turns out to be way bigger than you thought. You try something else and it doesn't work. Um, but the, the key is to keep trying. And that was what the advantage we had with this site Um was that we had gone through the Grantland experience, a lot of us, and especially me, because I was there from, you know, minute one. And, you know, you're not always going to have wins. And that's the thing, how you deal with something that doesn't work and how you fix it and how you um, take something that you thought was going to work and it bombed. Or you, you're taking heat for something, how people react, do they stick together? Or you have some sort of crisis behind the scenes. All that stuff, how how you handle it collectively is really important. And I think um, we're in a really weird time right now with, with, with media, both with print and with digital and people trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work, how to monetize things, things like that. The one thing that we, we had decided from the get-go was we had to have a lot of different things. There was no one model that was going to work. We had to... Um, we basically had to had to be covered in a whole bunch of different places because we weren't really sure where the internet was going. We knew podcasts were going to work for us, but in terms of everything else, it's like keep trying stuff, keep moving, keep adapting. Um, you never know. 2016 is going to be a lot different than 2018. And the era we're in right now, 2018, 2020 might be totally different. I don't know what 2020, what, what, what's in store. Is it going to be more subscription stuff? I don't know. Is it going to be more multimedia stuff? Is internet video going to matter anymore? Like who knows? But the key is you just have to be ready for it. And look, I'm not saying I'm not saying we're perfect. I'm not saying we're the 27 Yankees, but it has been really fun the last year. The first year you're definitely holding on. We had a lot of stuff going on. And especially when you bring in just dozens of new people and you throw them together, it's going to take a while. I think what's happened the last... I would say nine months is when you have a better idea of what you are and what your voice is and what the people that work for you can do. And in some cases, like what they can't do, you know, you really have to have a good feel for who works for you and what they're good at. And once you kind of feel a little bit settled, that's when it really becomes fun. And, you know, I had this at Grantland too. And then all of a sudden I wasn't at Grantland anymore and you didn't have it for a while. And, uh, I just, I, lo I love having people in my life. I love watching people get better and I love doing something collectively with a whole bunch of people. So to be able to 
hit these checkpoints that we've been able to hit now as we're looking at two years has been pretty cool. And, you know, from my end, I just want to say, you know, thanks to everybody at the ringer who's been working their ass off for us, but also thanks to everybody out there that's been spreading the word for us with the, with the content and the podcasts, all that stuff. It's, it was really hard. These, these last two and a half years were, or I guess last three years, they didn't pack the Grantland, but it's really, really hard to launch something from scratch. Um, at Grantland, it was a little easier because we had ESPN and we had people helping us that had been through stuff. This time we didn't. It was it was basically on us to figure out every single thing. And and it's it's hard. There's a reason that not a lot of people do it well. Um, and we learned a lot. There's a lot of stuff I would do over again. F feel the same way about the Grantland experience. But um, ultimately, when you get to a place where it's at least sturdy, uh, and you're doing good stuff and you're putting people in position to succeed and keep getting better. It's that's what makes it worth it. So, uh, this is a great week for our site. Thanks for everybody for, uh, supporting us. And, uh, and that's it. The Colangelo story, check that out on the ringer. We might have a follow-up story in the next couple of days about it because we didn't, we didn't have everything in that story. I think there's, there's some more coming and I'm interested to find out how it plays out. And whether we find out who is responsible for those Twitter accounts and um, all that stuff. All right, let's talk about the finals. Hey, here's why I'm a big fan of Simply Safe Home Security. Simply Safe is ready for anything that gets thrown at it. If a storm takes out your power, Simply Safe is ready. If an intruder cuts your phone line, Simply Safe is ready. Say they destroy your keypad or siren, Simply Safe will still get you the help you need. Maybe it's overkill. Maybe you don't need to be ready for every worst case scenario, but Simply Safe is always ready just in case. That's what makes it great. Now, Simply Safe could cost an arm and a leg, and it should, but it doesn't. And that's because they are good people. They charge you what's fair, what's right. $14.99 a month, no contracts, no hidden fees. I recommend Simply Safe to everyone I know. You've got to check it out. Go today. Simply Safe. Dot com slash BS that is simply safe with two eyes. Simply safe.com slash BS. All right, I want to talk about narratives. Back when I used to write columns before before my semi-retirement, uh, I used to do a what's at stake column for the finals. And this one's a great one. There's a lot of history with this finals. It's important to know some of the narratives. I don't People are so trapped in the small picture with some of this stuff, and they're so obsessed with this LeBron versus Jordan thing. There's just some crazy stuff about this particular finals. First of all, I mean, you already know about LeBron with the eight straight finals. It's really him, Bill Russell, Casey Jones, and Sam Jones are the only four guys who've ever done that. I think you could make the case LeBron, you know, I've heard it both ways. He's never really gone against a superstar. Uh, in the East from 2011 through 2018, with the exception of Derrick Rose, um, the Chicago fans would argue he was a superstar. I, I guess you could make the case, um, but he really hasn't had to go through like Durant in his prime or any of these dudes in their prime. Um, but at the same time, eight straight finals, having to go three rounds of pop, the fact that he's won 24 straight playoff rounds in the East is kind of staggering. You go back and you look at Russell and what he had with the Celtics in the early, in the early sixties, late fifties. And you're talking like eight teams and nine teams and things like that. So 
well, you knew about that one, but I don't think enough's been made about the Warriors potentially winning three titles in four years. This is not a long list for these teams. You have the 50s Lakers, they won five and six. You have the 60s Celtics, they won eight straight. They won 11 and 13. They became the iconic dynasty that we always point to. The 80s Lakers won five and nine, but they also won three and four and they won back to back. The 90s Bulls had the three three-peats. The uh, 2000s Lakers, 2000 Lakers, they had the, the three-peat. Other than that, uh, to, to, to win three and four and to go back to back in this day and age with how hard it is just to get back to the finals every year and how hard it also is to, to just deal with the injuries and, and people coming at you in the bullseye and what it's like to play basketball in this day and age and social media and it's 12 months a year and the way you can game plan against guys. And uh, it's kind of incredible. And then you think about it and it's not that incredible because they have Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green on their team. But it should be mentioned, three and four, I think puts them in position to be the team of this decade. They might be the team of the decade already. On the flip side, if they lose, it's really not any different than what Miami did in those four years where they made the finals four years, they won two. The Warriors win. Uh, if they lose this final somehow this year, they made the finals for four straight years, they lost them two. It's the same arc as Miami had. But if they win this finals, then you're looking at 50s Lakers, 60s Celtics, uh, 70s is a hodgepodge of teams. And everybody was on cocaine. The 80s, the Lakers, uh, Celtics were kind of the prince of that decade. The 90s were the Bulls. 2000s, the Lakers, I hate to admit it, but they won three in a row. Shaq and Kobe won two more with Kobe and Powell and Odom. They won five total. They were the team of that decade. And I think if the Warriors win this, they are the team of this decade. All right. This is crazy. And I, I couldn't believe that I actually came to this conclusion but I think it's true. I think if LeBron wins the finals this year, and I realize I say this in the age of hyperbole, where people love saying crazy stuff. I was watching TV yesterday and Colin Coward was talking about, could LeBron retire for a year after this year to reset himself? I was like, no, that would not follow any sort of any, any decision he's made for the last 15 years. All that dude wants to do is play basketball. He would not retire. So, but I get it. It's, it's finals week. People are saying crazy stuff. If LeBron wins the finals, if he beats this Warriors super team with this relatively crappy Cavs team he has, I think you make the case this was the greatest basketball performance start to finish we've ever seen. Now, here's the evidence. Right now, he is closing in on 3,800 minutes. He played over 3,000 the regular season, 743 minutes in the playoffs. He's played, I think, 550 more minutes than anybody else in the league this season. He is at the 100-game mark in the 15th year of his career. Uh, he, If this series wins seven, let's say this series goes seven and they win, he's looking at 107 games. I would assume he would play another 300 here in the final, so over 4,000 minutes. And by the way, his stats right now, he's averaging 34.99, 54% shooting, Played 41 minutes a game. He's got a 33 PER. He's demolished all the wind share stuff. And he went 48 and 48 in game six and game seven. It is one of the most staggering achievements I have seen in basketball. And if they get swept by the Warriors, it'll still be staggering. If he takes them to seven, it becomes a different story. And if he somehow beats this team, 
I, I honestly think it tops anything Jordan ever did. It really does. Jordan was never in this position where it was basically just him in game six and game seven with no Kevin Love. The best, second best teammate he had in game seven was Jeff Green, who is one of the four most frustrating players I've ever rooted for in my life. Uh, Kevin Love's back now for the finals, it looks like. But uh, but who knows? I, I mean, it's just from, from a competition standpoint, the deck is stacked against him like it has not been stacked since I would say 07 when he pulled that really goofy Cavs team to the uh, to the finals. So you got that. The other thing, we've talked about this before, but there's only six guys in the 40K AK club for people who've played at least 40,000 regular season minutes and 8,000 playoff minutes. It's Kareem, Kobe, Duncan, LeBron, Shaq, and Pippen. He has the endurance that he's shown for these 15 years um, is really out of control. And I'll be interested to see if he can keep it going. If he can somehow get this to seven with the way he's learned how to slow the game down, how to conserve energy, how to just control the pace of it. It's not much different than what he did in 2015 when he kind of dragged that series along too. He's just better at it now. And, you know, I, there's also the shadow of, is this it for him in Cleveland? Where does he go? Does he go to Houston? Does he go to the Lakers? Does he go to Philly? Now there's some Boston buzz this week, which I swear to God, I didn't start. I don't see that happening. But there is a finish line with this whole, there's a finish line with this whole uh, whole LeBron thing that's looming that I don't feel like it matters right now. But if they get killed, they get swept, as we talked about with House in the podcast the other day. I do think there's a chance that he just looks at this and goes, I want to win another title. I can't do it here. I love you. I love you, Cleveland. That's it. Uh, so that so that's in play. Now, wait, there's more subplots. We got LeBron versus Durant, part two. Durant went toe-to-toe with this dude in the finals last year and was better in that series. He was. He was better. He played better. He made bigger shots. We left that series thinking LeBron is the best player in the league, but Kevin Durant is also the best player in the league, which is super confusing. But he was the finals MVP, went toe-to-toe with him. There aren't a lot of players who can say that. And I do think they brought the best out of each other to some degrees. Durant has had, we're going to talk to Rich Kleiman a little bit. Durant's, he's had, you know, he was still one of the five best guys in the league this year. Maybe one of the six best. But, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say this was his greatest season. I think he's had flashes of this being his greatest season. I think he's had games that rank among what else, whatever anyone else can do. I think what you saw in game seven, especially in the second half, the dude was outrageous. But the consistency, the alpha dogness has not always been there. But here's the thing. He measures himself against LeBron. You are going to see Kevin Durant's A-plus game in this series. And by the way, probably the best person to go against LeBron. I don't know if LeBron can guard him defensively and have the ability to do all the stuff that he was able to do in the last couple of series offensively, which is another thing to watch. You think about game seven against Celtics. LeBron James was basically left Jalen Brown. He was like, go ahead, knock yourself out. Keep shooting threes. I'm not going to chase you around picks for this whole game. I need to save my off- my energy for offense. He was just able to do it. He's If he's guarding Durant, you will not be able to do that. My guess is they'll put him on Draymond Green 
and have other people thrown at Durant. I don't really think there's anybody on the team who could guard Durant. I think Jeff Green maybe can slow him down if you're getting the uh, rich man's Jeff Green and not the homeless man's Jeff Green. So you got that. Uh, LeBron versus Durant. Don't sleep on that that matchup. That's just getting buried in all this other stuff. Warriors-Cavs 4. We've talked about this a lot. The quadrilogy. We have a trilogy. What do we what do we call when it's four, Kyle? I like that. The quadrilogy? Yeah. Okay. Kyle's down with the quadrilogy. It sounds like uh like a Keanu Reeves movie that's straight to video. It's uh <laughs> it's crazy. The four even the Lakers and Celtics didn't play four straight finals. I'm both bored by the matchup and also kind of excited. I actually randomly ended up in an elevator with Ty Lu last night. And uh, I was like, is this like deja vu for you? And he's like, yeah, same time every year. We've been here for four straight years. It's don't even know what year it is anymore. Uh, but that's cool. It's not going to be as cool if the Warriors win in four. We talked about LeBron's last dance in Cleveland, potentially. We talked a little on previous podcasts about could this be it for the Warriors? Would they keep the top four? Can you do it financially? Durant's going to want to get paid this year. How do you keep everybody? What kind of luxury tax is that? What happens to your fifth through 12th guys if you're just paying all of your salary cap for four dudes and then Andre Iguodala and Livingston? Um, we'll see how that goes. I have a feeling there's not going to be a quintilogy. Quintilogy? Got it, Quint- oh, <laughs> thanks, Kyle. It's almost like we're related. Uh yeah, so there, so that's happening. And then finally, this is a key point, and I'm probably going to talk about people when uh, we're doing the uh, HBO show over these next two weeks. I do want to ask different people about this when we have the opportunity to talk to them about it. I think the real difference between Jordan and LeBron, I'm not re- ready to... I just hate the who's better thing because I think the errors are so different. The one thing I think that's changed since I wrote my book was that you just can't compare the Jordan era and the Russell era to the LeBron era. Every era is different. And I think if I wrote that book over again, I would think about goats by generation is really the only way to do it. Maybe you separate it by every 20 years and you go Russell and then you go Kareem and then you go Jordan and then you go LeBron. And that's just how you do it. Or you split it up into almost like a championship belt of goats where Russell from 56 to 69, Kareem from 69 to 80, Bird and Magic as a combo from 80 to 90, Jordan from 90 to 98, Shaq and Duncan together from 99 to 07, and then LeBron from basically 07 on. And by the way, Kobe fans, I'm sorry. LeBron is just a much better basketball player than Kobe. If you're talking about franchise all-timers, he just is. Kobe's in my top 10. LeBron is one of the two best players who ever lived. Like, stop it. Uh, So however you want to do it, you know, MJ versus LeBron. Here, Here's the thing. Here's the key difference between them. And if somebody else has mentioned this, I'm sorry. But I have not heard this other places. I asked Steve Kerr about it yesterday at, at Media Day. And he actually, he made the Steve Kerr, he made the, the face he makes when he's like, oh, that was a good point. Like, uh, Jordan never had the carrot that LeBron has. All right, so what's a carrot? Jordan vanquished... Everybody who was in his way, he tried, he spent three years trying to get through the Pistons, got through them. Now Magic's in the way, gets through him. Bird and the Celtics, they're dying. He, They're done. Uh, goes through the Cavs. 
Goes through the Riley Knicks for two straight years. So Barkley's sitting there. Ah, he rolls through him. Goes play baseball for two years. Now Shaq and Penny are the new dynasty. 96 playoffs, just rips through them. Finishes the Knicks. Oh, Carl Malone, or, or, I'm sorry, Kemp and Payton are really good. They're the next new team. Destroys them. Going to 97. Carl Malone's the MVP, actually. Jordan's like, okay, he ruins them. Uh, Miami, morning and heartache, ruins them. And wins three more and just never had the guy. He beat everybody. He killed him. The difference with LeBron is he's never been, been allowed to feel safe like that. There's always been another team. You had, you know, you had Dwight Howard and the Magic upended him. You had Paul Pierce and the Celtics were always there. There, This hump he had to get over, even when he was at Miami and he had a better team. Then it's like, here come the Spurs. The Spurs should have won in 2013. Oh, the Spurs did win in 2014. They got the upper hand on him. And then all of a sudden, here comes this Warriors team that he's had to get by for four straight years, the super team. And if you look at what LeBron has done as a basketball player, he has added stuff the last three years. He's added shots. He's figured out a way to not get tired, to play all 48 minutes. He's gotten stronger. He's figured out a low post game. He's figured out that weird power of the ball and just overpower somebody game. He keeps adding things in year 13, 14, and 15 of his career that he just did not have in year eight. Now, Jordan added the follow-away. Jordan didn't have the same training. He didn't have the same videotape, all that stuff. But he also didn't have the taste of losing in his mouth. And he also didn't have this other team that everybody was trumpeting and parroting and saying this was better. And he didn't have somebody like Durant. And he didn't have somebody like Kawhi Leonard. And... He didn't have Paul Pierce and KG. He just, he went through all those dudes. So whatever his generation's version. And I think the best thing that ever happened to LeBron is the competitiveness of the era he's in. Because if this era was as, as, as weak as the 2000s, which I really think you look back and the talent just was not nearly what it is now. Um, maybe he does get bored. Maybe he doesn't work as hard. Maybe he's not as obsessed as he was, but I see somebody that is just obsessed to keep getting better because of all the carrots that are dangling in front of him. So that's to me, the biggest difference between him and Jordan, other than uh, the training stuff and uh, the hyperbaric chambers and Pilates and these medicine balls and uh, the dieting and the sleeping and all this stuff that LeBron does now. If he pulls off this finals, this would be one of the great achievements in the history of the league, if not number one. I still think Russell and the Celtics beating Wilt and Kobe, uh, Wilt and uh, Jerry West and Elgin in 69 when they just had this beaten up Celtics team that was on its last legs and, and barely even made it through the playoffs and somehow won anyway. That's way up there for me. I think Jordan winning the 98 finals basically by himself. Pippen was in a back brace and Rodman was out at nightclubs every night like nephew Kyle. Um, that was pretty amazing. I think the 2014 Spurs with Duncan at the stage of the career, they had Duncan who was past his prime and Kawhi who wasn't in his prime yet and a great coach. And they just beat this super team. Basically there's been some great ones. Uh, magic in 87, uh, putting the Lakers on his back against that Celtics team that really felt like they had been touched by God after a certain point. But LeBron doing this with this team is insane with J.R. Smith and 37-year-old Kyle Korver, Tristan Thompson, who's in the tabloids, all this stuff. I would be amazed. Anyway, uh, keep your eye on this. Great finals coming up. 
And just in terms of narrative, I'm not sure the basketball is going to be great. And by the time you listen to this game one, the Warriors will probably have won by 20 and everybody's going to be pitching that the whole series is going to be a blowout. And then game two will happen. And LeBron will slow the pace down and score 48 points and have 12 rebounds at 11 assists. And all of a sudden it'll be 80 to 79 with three minutes left. And that crowd will be tense. And people will be like, oh, shit, LeBron is really good at this. That would be my prediction. But we'll see. That's why they play the finals. All right, Rich Kleiman is here. We're going to talk to him in a second. He's that guy from the Kevin Durant podcast. He's yeah, the third Robin guy. Robin Quivers. Yeah, the Robin Quivers. I'm the Robin Quivers. People are like, why Kevin isn't he near, he near a mic and all that stuff? Hey, this is good though. I know you love. I know you love sponsorship opportunities and relationships. Yeah, with let's sell advertisers. ads today, bro. Let's sell ads. Uh, Captain Morgan, the captain, will not rest until he's brought his adventurous spirit and delicious rum to every corner of America. Call me Captain Morgan. Original spice, coconut, pineapple, white, black, grapefruit, whatever you want. The captain loves anyone who learns to mix like a captain. So every week we pick a captain on the BS like podcast. How do you mix like a captain? Who's your captain this week? I'll let you do it. I'm going to turn it over mm. to you. Do you have a captain? Who's my captain? Why don't you do LeBron James? Why don't you be deferential to uh, to the Warriors' big opponent this year? I love LeBron James. He's been amazing, right? Amazing. Yes. What? Insane. No, he can't be the captain. Who you do you have better it. captain? What does that mean, though? What is it? What is it? Captain what? of the week. Who's the captain oh, right now? Oh, who's the captain of the week? Wow. Probably not Sorry. you for not talking to who's the Who's the captain of the week? We really should just talk rap music, Tommy, right? Let's do rap music. What, would you, if you had to pick Pusha T or, or Drake, one that's of those not, dudes I, are the captain? It's not even over. It's, not, it's like we're midway through the story. Yeah, it's like game three of the finals. Yeah, that. I can't talk about that Let's yet. make both of them the captains because- I think they're both captains. We grew up in an era when- when uh when yeah. rap stars feuded you're probably a little older than me though not really how old are you how old are you how old are you what <laughs> i'm 41 you're 41 yeah i am older than you you're probably what 48 i'm 48 you look young though do you remember the biggie were you you were there for biggie no, versus I don't tupac it. all right good so that era though had <laughs> had the rap feuds all right so we're making what the fuck come on man we're making push the teeth i remember uh, biggie and tupac and drake we're I making them, them the captains because Drake and Pusher, the captains. you know what I like when rappers don't like each other and they start escalating stuff in songs. It's always good yeah. for Drake, the internet. Twitter. What was the bigger story this week? I don't even care about saying this kind of shit, but uh, Pusha T, Drake, Brian Colangelo. Oh man! Uh, well, you guys. I mean, for you yeah, guys, it was Brian Colangelo. Right? I think Pusha T and Drake was bigger. Was it? Per, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look at just Twitter trending, and and uh, there was one day where Pusha T had like. What, 150,000 tweets with his name in it or something? Do you think it was there bigger. was like a code red over at Brian Colangelo's house that night? And someone was like, yo, you're lucky though that Pusha went at Drake. <laughs> that Pusha went at Drake like that tonight. Made that, you know? Yeah, right at uh, the same time. Right, or well, the other way around. Brian Colangelo could have taken a little bit away from how, you know, the intensity know. of Pusha and Drake. I, so I'll those be... are my three captains of the week. Okay, great. There you go. Captain. Learn captain. to mix like a captain. Go drink Captain Margaret. All right, Rich Kleiman. No, you, yeah, you. Uh, how'd you end up at Rock Nation? Let's do the story of Rich because no, we've never done it. No, no let's do it quickly. Two no, minute cliff notes. No, People no. want to know how a successful person becomes successful. Uh, how do I? Um, Were you somewhere before that? <laughs> no, I, I just landed here at Rock Nation. Yeah, it was somewhere before that. All right, don't get all sarcastic. <laughs> I'm just saying, of course. But where, um, but we, I'm saying, were you, was that your first major gig, or no, did you? Did first, they steal you? I, from you know someone? what? This will connect well to you. Thank you. All right, this is gonna be cool. Um, Thanks for joining the podcast. No, <laughs> my bad. I mean, no problem. Um, 
I said my bad. I was at um I was at BU. Yeah. Uh as a bookie. <laughs> we really? Yeah. Sick story. Let's not say that separately. Um we'll save that for when we do the six part series about your oh life as a bookie. God. I had a I had a I know. But is that gonna take me from ever getting a, a president job in the NBA? No. No, not now, right? No way. No. Not only is it legal, but like that's light work. That's nothing. Yeah. That's like, not, listen, you did what you had to do to survive. The, mean, okay. the mean streets did, of Boston. I, I yeah, the mean streets of the Upper West Side of New York. <laughs> that's how I was able. That was like, uh, that was just a little extra on the side. But it was, um, I ran a nice little operation, but that is aside from the point. Came home, started um, working with my friend, putting that show, The Life, together for ESPN. I love that show. I know. And that's how I met your boy, Connor Shell. The six episode Clippers one. Six. Was it six? No. Four? Two. It was more than two. No. I'll never forget Darius Miles getting gas. I was like, this is yeah. the, this show speaks to me. That Darius sh- Miles is getting good. gas that right show now. Was good. Didn't he almost drive away with the thing still yeah, in the gas tank? He did. That was I was like, this we is also, my show. I didn't do the one. There was a really good one on Aaron Brooks, the Saints quarterback, Aaron Brooks. Where I like he was going these. to a Monday night football party at his boy's house or something like one of the other saints and he got lost. So the entire time, the whole episode was like, you remember when people gave you directions and you really had to like follow directions? Yeah. Like make a, if you, if you see the church on the right, you went too far, make a left at the mobile, but then make your first right, but it's not really a right. It kind of just veers off to the right. So like that shit sounds insane now. Like how would you ever get to where you have to go? So the whole episode was like, we were lost with Aaron Brooks. I remember Steve Francis and Catino Mobley went to go buy a Ferrari. Yeah, that was, was the good. other highlight. They were so sick. Too. They were funny together. And they were both wearing jogging suits. Yeah. And they walked in and jogging suits or or whatever. You warm up outfits. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck they were in. They were in yeah. like they were like look, they were about to go to practice. Yeah. And remember Biggie in. and Tupac? You remember those guys? <laughs> those guys were nuts. Uh, but they walked in and the guy. The guy Sorry. who worked at Ferrari just had this look on his face like, I prayed this morning that something good would happen. And now yeah. here are two of the Rockets thinking about buying a Ferrari. Yeah, it was just they, like yeah, exactly. so fired up. That was a great show. It was mm-hmm. kind of- It, it was kind good. Of, it was pre all the shit that we have now. That, yeah, it's that, just reality TV. Now you're working with Kevin, but Kevin's got well, stuff. LeBron's jump, got stuff. from No, the we're going back to, to oh, okay. But now these guys have direct access where they could just be- Kevin could yeah. come home today in his car and film- something on Instagram and just post it. Yeah. And it'll be like, here's me, I'm at the game. But in 06, I didn't have that. In 03, no, I didn't have that. O, that I didn't in, know any of these That dudes. was 2000. Yeah. The funny thing is, is that it's like, in some ways it's it's so easy for anybody to produce content now, right? So it's like, everybody can announce a deal. Everybody's partnering with so-and-so. They're putting out so-and-so. But it's just putting such an onus on um, having to make the content compelling now because like seeing someone drive like watching kevin drive to the game is cool but it's not like right like that's an instagram story you know what i'm not even going with cool it's not even cool right it's like you that, know it's not cool just watching somebody drive somewhere no it's not exactly the but only that time shit i enjoyed it was amazing that tom was, versus time that which was, cool. was an infomercial and was still filmed you're like well. a stan a little bit for tom well it's, it was an infomercial but there was one where he's driving fr- home from the game with his wife and Gronkowski calls and he's on, and Gronkowski's on the speaker. And I'm like, I'm in. This is great. Yeah, I didn't watch that. <laughs> I'm in the car with this. Yeah, but that that but that's because Tom Brady doesn't give you that. You know what was really sick? Did you see Tom Brady's Instagram post like a month or two ago? He was home with his kids in his indoor 
pool, whirlpool, yeah, like water slide shit. Did yeah. you see that? That was sick. His was a lot of that show was wide shots of his mansion in the giant circular driveway. Yeah, that's yeah. I didn't see the show, but that's what this. But as Instagram a as a Pats was. fan who's followed him his whole career, I was like, this is cool. And now I know what Tom yeah. Brady's driveway looks like. I was into it. Yeah, no. So it is still cool, right? I do think it, all that stuff is fun, especially if you're a fan. But it just put a little bit more of an onus on like, what are we doing? Like back then, it was like the storyline was let's go get a Ferrari with Coutinho Mobley and Steve Francis. Yeah, but you could just know scroll through the internet now, and you'll get that with like some famous person every day. Cribs was like that too. I remember. Yeah, Cribs. I wrote about it at the time, but Zach Randolph did a Cribs that is one of the greatest half hours of my life. Really, they went through his giant house. At one point, he had a framed picture of Nelson Mandela, I think, on a piano, and he just showed the picture to the camera, <laughs> and he's like, "Nelson Mandela is a great man. He's a great man." <laughs> Put the picture back. I was like, I love this more. Yeah, yeah. But now it's like we have too much access to our guys. Yeah, exactly. These but guys it's cool. are all it's so available. It's more challenging, though. You got to come up with cool. Well, obviously, it's more challenging. I saw the Uber commercial Kevin and LeBron did. It was, yeah. it was not that. You didn't like, like it? I just wish I you'd ask me for creative advice. Would have pushed you guys a little bit. Yeah, Couldn't they have yeah. argued about something? Well, I don't want I don't them know. to be friends. I don't want KD and LeBron to like each other. Why? It's not like a comic Because they're in each other's way. It is like a comic yeah, But on book. the court, they're not, they're, I mean, they're not, there's no chance that like during a dead ball tonight, they're just having the same conversation they had in the Uber. Well, That's we, all that really matters, Probably right? about as exciting. It was like, bad. hey man, you how you doing? it was really bad? No, nah, it was fine. It was cool. It was fine. I like the thought of Carrie Champion driving an Uber. Was that real? No. 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 I don't know. I'm, of course it wasn't real, bro. <laughs> What was it? A green screen? No, I was there. It was real. We were in a. We were in a. I thought it was good. I don't want LeBron and Durant to like each other because I still feel like Magic befriending Bird mm. at the '84 Converse commercial gave Magic a little bit of an upper hand. Really? Bird just wanted to destroy him, and then actually dated yeah, the '84 Finals. That's you're saying. You think Bird was that was like he took like a mentally he took a, a little all notch he wanted over to him? Was destroy Magic. Yeah, and then eventually they he became liked buddies. Him too much. It's better for magic for them to be buddies than bird. Yeah. I don't know. But you know what? The, the problem is, though, like these, you play AAU basketball and yeah. you're good. You're meeting these guys at like 12 years old at this point. And, you know, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson didn't meet each other until they played college basketball, until they were on the court, probably. Where were they going to meet each other? Yeah. I was thinking with uh, in game seven of the finals, because Eric Gordon was playing well. And I was thinking, like, I wonder how long Durant's known eric gordon like yeah. they were a year apart they were probably playing aau when they were like yeah, 12 everybody, 13 probably right? everybody on the court yeah all those dudes yeah are you gonna turn your phone off from buzzing no what do you got people asking for tickets no we're taping this right now it's it's uh it's about 12 30 west coast time people don't really like ask like final start i don't get bit. like a random ask for ticket when i worked in the music industry it was more of that all right, so let's go backwards. So now, oh, so I was working so you do on the, the life, and then what happens? Let me do it quick because this boy. I mean, no one really cares what like I did. That's no, just like I, I'm telling you. I've had this podcast for 12 years. People love the how I right. got here part. So I worked of on the show, The Life. Yeah, and I was young. I was 21 years was old. Was your dude Patchcroft involved? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. He got me involved. That was. He asked me to come work with him. So your best friend Jamie Patchcroft, who you've known since you were four. No, not six. Four. No. And I ended up doing a 30 for 30 with him. 10, 9. Movie, big movie producer now. But yeah. did a 30 for 30 Very in the first big. series. Very big. Um, so I went to work on the show. We partnered with that company, Radical Media. So we did the show out of their production house. Yeah, I know Radical yeah. Media really John well. Kamen. Yeah. Um, one of my early mentors. Because he let me work out of the office. I had like, I just like dropped out of college. I had no real skill set. So you're a mover shaker. 
I'd say so. Yeah. I like Unlike that. now. No, now I'm moving and shaking more than ever. How did you become I'm locked how, in? How'd you get into music? Um I'm locked in, Tommy. Um, I was in uh Tommy thinks you're getting soft. I don't know. He's no, he doesn't, earlier. Man. No, he, he said that. that. He no, knows he, that's he not thought. true. Um <laughs> He knows that's not true. Tommy's got his laminate on six hours before the game. <laughs> he's ready. He's, he's fired up. Um, so I was working on the show, and I remember somebody asked Jamie and I who was going to work on the music. So I, uh, I just jumped into it, and I, at, I knew a lot of people in New York. I had this like network of of friends that from going out that were one person was starting a band, one person was a producer, one person was a rapper, one person was an artist, and I just figured that the best thing that I could do in this budget they gave us was to accumulate all this music, put it into a library. And I went to everybody, I said, I can put your music on this show on ESPN. You can watch it with your with your boys or with your girlfriend on Saturday morning. You'll see your name in the credits and I'll give you $500. You're talking about some up and coming band in New York or whatever it was. Oh yeah, they're Everybody over the moon. was down for it. Yeah. So I just started doing that. And all I was doing was having people sending me demos and calling like raucous records and having them send me like high and mighty CDs and, Talib Kweli, and then I would go to my Mark Ronson, who was like a, the biggest DJ in the city, but was turning into a producer. Would go to like DJ SNS, all these key people, and just tell them to give me beats. Yeah, and I'd say, tell me which one have samples, and I have like two different folders. And if it had a sample, I wouldn't use it because I couldn't clear that. And I just started working with the editors and cutting the music to the to the show. And, and this was like earlier internet, right? So they couldn't even just send you the files. They had to actually hand oh, deliver yeah. them to you, Then right? I would go over to the record label, yeah. pick up the demos and stuff. So I started doing that. And the the music for the show was something people really started to like. like and it started to become fun. Like I was sitting there and watching, like sitting in the final cut and watching them edit the, the episodes and suggesting songs. And then I remember they were like, we need a theme song. So I went to a friend of mine who had this like independent rap label, um, this kid, Matt Marcus. It's always good to say their names, you know what I'm saying? Because if he's listening and then I don't say his name, that's not cool. I grew up with Matt. So Matt Marcus, my man, he had this artist, Tribeca. Um, I don't remember how it all exactly came about from there, but it was his song. Tribeca had this song called The Life, or he put this song together for me called The Life. And yeah, he must have written it for the show. And I had him write this song and put the song together and everyone was like we need no that was it that was the theme song remember it it was and it was incredible people loved it everyone was singing it, it was I'm like trying to hit. how did it go i forget my life is all i have <laughs> yeah yeah that's right yeah blah, blah. yeah so but then the buzz around it was so big i remember raucous records said to me we should make like a record out of it and i could get some of these facts wrong but it seems right and farrell monch ended up this like another rapper at the time uh who i love ended up putting uh the hook onto it and we released it as a commercial single. And it was on like this sound bombing album that Eminem was on like in 2000. So like all of a sudden I was in the music business and I really wanted to work on the life because I was obsessed with sports. Like I yeah. just, I remember going to the Speedy Claxton shoot that never made it on air, sitting there and introducing myself to Larry Brown and Pat Croce. I was sitting in Sixers practice and I was just obsessed with it. I was just like an obsessed basketball fan like you. And I was in the Sixers practice like and yeah. I'm 21 and I was a bookie a year earlier so like I made it in my mind I guess be around sports but then the music thing working on this show took off and then people started calling me they want to get their music on the show and then the life ended 
And I remember John came and was like, we're doing this commercial for Chevrolet. Or I'm doing this show for ESPN. I'm doing this show for VH1. Can we use your music library? So I just camped out at Radical Media and I was a music supervisor. I figured I'd get back to sports later on. So I was doing all the music for these shows and the money I was making was like whatever, if a budget was 25,000 for a commercial, if I spent 15, I kept 10. If the budget was 5,000, I spent one, I kept four. So like I was hustling, but everyone I went to, I wasn't robbing them, I was being honest. I was like, this is what I have. I have $5,000, I'm gonna give you a thousand. That's what I got. I'm gonna do this commercial, I'm gonna do this show. And I built up this library and then I started meeting all these producers and artists and I got a bit obsessed with the music industry. But in the way that like, you know, growing up in New York City, the cover of New York Magazine is Puff Daddy, the cover of, you know, the New York Times style section, Jay-Z. And it's like, I'm obsessed with basketball players and obsessed with the NBA. And they're kind they're, of merging. In they're, and not only they're merging, it's like, well, who's cooler now? Like, it used to be like the ballplayers were the coolest person in the room. And then all of a sudden you're sitting in a Nick game. It's like, damn, Jay-Z's who's this cool motherfucker? It's the yeah. coolest dude I ever met in my life. So I was just like, I want to be around this. I just want to be around the music business. So I never loved it though. You know, like I love sports. Yeah. Like going to these games is the icing on the cake for my business now. It's not really my business. You know, like that's not the core of what I do, but I mean, I'm not, that's, that's everything. Like you get to go to the NBA game tonight. All the other stuff you're doing, the ringer, your show, Andre Giant, all that shit is incredible, but you have to go to the finals tonight. Like that's what we love to do. I still love going to a basketball game more than anything. That's me too. That's it's my incredible. number one favorite thing to me do. Me too, me too. To go to a me really too. good basketball game. Me too. Like I'll go see Brooklyn Nets versus like Detroit on a Wednesday and it's yeah. raining out. I don't love that, but I'll go. The good thing about the NBA is you can always get something out of a live game. You can go to a baseball game and it could suck for three hours. Yeah. And you go to a football game and it could just suck. Yeah. And nothing. Yeah. But at a basketball game, it's almost like it's it's the game, but it's also the people. There's always something to see. It's human interactions. Without question. All and these athletes. Going on. Like I, I went, I, back to the net game, not to knock. I went to the net game and all of a sudden Jared Allen like, cocks a windmill back from like 20 feet out i'm like yeah. i just saw some shit i'll never see again the rest of my life like that was insane so i love that but back to what i was saying so i'm in the music business and all of a sudden a lot of these artists that i'm getting on these shows are like well you know if you're making this is the first money i've ever made so how about you manage me so like, i'll manage you yeah and i was like so i started managing these guys and then one of the first people that like was really talented that was like yeah i need you you know how about you work with me. I know you don't have any background like really in this was Mark Ronson, who now 20 years later is like still winning Grammys and producing Grammy award winning albums and selling out festivals. And he was the preeminent DJ in New York City. Like, He's almost Lindsay Lohan's brother-in-law. That almost <laughs> <Yeah>. happened. The, <laughs> the, well, <laughs> oh man, <laughs> that was weird. Um, so uh, yeah, so um so I managed Mark. I was carrying his crates to the parties where Jay-Z and 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 Puffy were like that. So I'm out and I'm a club kid, but I'm not in it yet. I'm not like in the inner circle. Now Mark is letting me carry his crates to these parties and now I'm in the inner circle. And for someone that does pride themselves on networking and moving and shaking, like now I'm in the room where I can help, you know, build my career. And, and the cool thing was Mark knew my wife a little bit and I I, I got married really early. Like I had a you know, my, my wife and I were together early. So we just kind of partied together. So like we all went out and I just, when I was out and met people and, and met new people, I knew Damon Dash, who was Jay-Z's old partner. Yeah. And then I met um, Jay-Z's manager, John Manili. And uh, I set a meeting up for John with um, Radical Media, with John Kamen. 
and that ended up turning into uh um i actually met john manili through this girl asia devore branch you know what i'm gonna do today everybody that actually really helped me in my life i'm gonna say their. i think name. it's funny that i had to convince him to even just give the I'm five minutes i'm a narcissist and now you've dropped 122 names Fuck it, man. i'm a, I'm a <laughs> And then on a Wednesday, I went and got an egg white omelet with Listen, Damon you know Dash. Why? I'll tell you why. Because it, I don't, I didn't, I really don't need to talk about this. You can edit the whole thing out. But if I'm going to talk about, it, I'm going to like, I'm going to say it the whole way. Well, no, you took a you step. You can cut the whole thing. You know, I worked I, on the life, and I then like I worked it. with Kevin Durant. No, this is good. So, so now, but now you're in shouting distance of of Jay Z. Yeah, well, that's now what you're you, in that's, his. That's what you asked in the room me. with Jay Z. That's what you asked. Yeah, me. Right. you took a step. So then John Manili introduces me. I introduced John to Radical Media. They have an idea to take this concert that they filmed, which was Jay's last concert at the Garden. Yeah. At the time, was going to be his last concert at the Garden. Mm. Um, and then that turned into Fade to Black. And without fail, when I'm like true to what I imagined, when I met Jay and he came into Radical Media, I was like, I got to be near this dude. Like, I got to work with this guy. Like, this shit was magical. You know, like, yeah. it was like everything he said just seemed so practical and right on. And it really like connected with me. Like, okay, I. I feel like this is where I'm supposed to be in my life right now. So then the next 15 years of my life, like him and I became really, really close friends and, you know, family's close and got to um, work with him and went to Radical Meet. No, that was the beginning. Went to Rock Nation. Um, and the artists I was working with at the time, like Wale, Mark Ronson, this kid Daniel Merriweather, a bunch of um, DJs. I managed a whole roster of DJs, Samantha, Q-Tip, D-Nice. I was just moving around. like and The DJ's like kind of the secret money. Yeah, I had a really- Those DJs clean up. Clean up. Like and I had Pauly a really, D from the Jersey Shore is like a multi-millionaire. Pauly D is a rock star, yeah. But that was my thing. I was like in Vegas once a month. I had residencies. I was negotiating residencies. I was in the club. It was just what I did. Like these club gigs. We were like doing fashion week parties. I was just doing what I could do to stay in the mix. I knew I had bigger plans for myself, but this was great. And this was the culture. This was everything. So I met Jay-Z, started working um, on my own. I had this studio in Soho and managing artists. And Jay always was like, just, you know, stayed close. I just hung out with him and hung out with all his friends and met all his, you know, his team and the people around him. So then I went to um, Rock Nation and I brought like my music business there. Yeah. And. But now, now you're thinking, you know, it'd be cool. Sports. Not yet. Oh, I really was like, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to kill it in the music business. Now I kind of just switched for a second. And I was in it and I learned everything there. Like, so everything I thought I knew as an entrepreneur and like hustling, I didn't really know shit. So when I got to Rock Nation and was really then like working under him and his team, that's when I learned really how to move and how to do this Wasn't right. Wasn't the greatest time for the music business either. That was kind of between no, two but eras. I, but, but no, but I wasn't trying to sell records. I was yeah. managing brands and artists. And it was just a weird time. It was a lot of flux. Time. Yeah, but in that like disruption, that's when all the greatness happens. Yeah. That's when you are a part of like bringing it back up. So I was managing Solange, J. Cole. I was working, I a and his first album was managing Meek Mill, Wale, all the other people I mentioned earlier, the the DJs. But I, you know, I just felt like, um, and I feel like everybody I worked with knew it. Like I wasn't a studio rat. I wasn't the guy that like wanted to be in the studio till six in the morning. You were Jimmy and, like, Iovine. Reading liner notes. No, Jimmy yeah. is in the studio all That's night. what I mean. Yeah, those are music guys. Yeah. You know, I like the life. Like I like the music business and and going to the basketball games and and being able to be a part of going on tour with Jay and going to the festivals and the shows and going with Mark Ronson and going to Meek and Wale. All that stuff was cool for me, but I didn't love music like that. And I thought that was unfair because I really always had my eye on sports. I met Kevin Durant from Wale and I always kept in touch with him. Just because, oh, that's right. They were buddies yeah, way back from when. From growing yeah. up, yeah. Yeah. 
and I just wanted to stay in touch with um, um, Kevin because I was always hit him with like good game, you know, way to go, love how you played, congrats on rookie of the year, all that stuff, you know. And then, um, but we weren't really tight. We just texted, um, and then I became really tight with Victor Cruz. Yeah, big Giant fan. The Giants are like my life. Um, so. I ended up saying to Jay once, I remember I was like, yo, I want to manage Victor Cruz and get into sports. He's like, wait one second. And that always means like he's got something cooking because he had said that before when I said, I want to come like work with you at Def Jam or whatever. And he was like, wait, I'm working on something. So they were starting Rock Nation Sports. And even though I was obsessed with sports and everyone knew that my knowledge of sports was great, they really took a leap of faith. You know, him and um, his partner, Juan Perez, they had they didn't need to let me do any of that. You know, I was just a music manager at Rock Nation, really. Yeah. Um, but I was a, I love sports and they knew it. And I, and I studied it. Like I studied, I read the CBA, you know, like that was where I geeked out. There's one part of my life that I did. It was like reading Sports Business Journal and studying that stuff. I liked it. So then they I let, think you're the first person who's ever bragged about reading the CBA. That's what I'm saying. But that's how you know that, yeah, because that, yeah, you're right. I'll never forget page 38. <laughs> well, the yeah. clause, clause girls 32B. Love, girls, love, girls love it when you just- They love CBA with, talk. Yeah, yeah, you pull the CBA out, oh, it's, man. it's a wrap. Hey, let me show you page 53. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So um, they let me jump into it. And and honestly- So Victor man, Cruz was the first one. Yeah, but, I, but Victor Cruz was the first person that like believed in me as like, this is someone that is in the music business, but I think- he, I think he's someone I would work with. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So then I said to Jay, you know, Juan and Jay, and they, they just let me jump into it. You know, that's rare. That's the I couldn't have done that if I was working in C, at CAA Music and I went over to Vino. I was like, yo, let me run sports with you guys. <laughs> be like, they'd be like, get out of yeah. here. Yeah. But I, you know, they believed in me, and that's a that's why that's a talent. That's a real talent. And Vino that, would have said, I'm the only bald guy here. I'm the only bald white Jewish guy. There's only one. There's yeah. only room yeah. for one bald well, Jewish guy. Sorry, Vino. Yeah, <laughs> you have to start your own thing. Um, so they let me jump right into it, and I, yeah. they let me sit in the meetings for everyone that we were signing and. Um, so I, when did the KD thing start? Well, so I called Kevin soon after, um, and he came and met with all of us, and me and Jay and Juan, and um, it took a while. Like we built trust and and really got to a place where he felt comfortable that this was the right place to be. Because everyone else was taking shots, I'm sure you were aware. Uh, so the little inside baseball circles are like oh, that Rock Nation. They're oh, the yeah. sports. Oh, it's a yeah. disaster. I'm hearing it's a disaster over there. There's a lot of that. Yeah, but they Heard weren't. They didn't hear that. It's just like if someone doesn't understand something, or it's like too powerful for them, or it's too disruptive, or it's just too dope. Well, I've they'll learned, just be like, I don't get it, man. That'll never work. But it worked, and it always. I've works. learned that when when that buzz starts building, it means one of two things: it either is a disaster, mm -hmm. or people you're on their corner and they're jealous yeah. and yeah. it's there's those are the only two For reasons sure. that stuff starts but so that, i was like oh this is interesting if you I think about it in hindsight like if you really think about like how and how how's jay-z gonna do anything that's a disaster right because it's all relative it's like if if you're an agent at um agency x and you're like yeah he'll never get it like what does that even mean like you'll never even like of he already got it like right, he, he already won. He already won. He got it. He's in the he's, he's not, in the he, Hall of Fame and he has seven titles already. Yes, right. yes. So why why how is he not going to get it? He's doing he's doing the in my opinion he's doing this business and I'm being serious. He's doing this business a favor because you're getting a, a different perspective on someone who truly doesn't need the commission checks, who truly 
is looking at it like I can add value to the to these athletes who culturally come from the same place that I come from, and I'm going to bring a perspective and expertise that they don't have. So how are you losing? I mean, where and what does it even mean losing? Like nobody, like I don't know. I mean, if if if, if losing meant that he didn't get the number one pick in the draft every year, then okay, then so, yeah, yeah, that's I mean, but that was never realistic anyway, right? How did he help uh, KD during the infamous summer of 2016? By being his friend, you know, by being his friend, because it wasn't, you know, at that point, I think like where Jay is, was so helpful um, for Kevin and, and is for me and, and Juan too, is like, they, they had the less, like their, their life stories are really impactful. You know, you see people say that a lot, but like, they don't have, they didn't have a, I mean, no one, no one has the playbook on that. It's not like I was like, yo, Maverick, bro, you went through this. What do I do? Like nobody knows. It's like Kevin made a decision on a team to go to. It's just like a any life decision. Like when Jay Z chose a label or sold a company or didn't sell a company. When we decide if we're going to ask our wives, it was his decision. He was just had gave great life stories and life lessons and perspective, you know. But um, so that was the way he was helpful and still is helpful to both of us. Even though um, you know businesses have evolved and um, you know I think that Kevin by watching Jay-Z was like, man, I want to, I want this. Like, I want to have my own empire. I want my name in front of the office, right? And Jay-Z being Jay-Z was very encouraging of us doing that. So what you get from him now is perspective and and experience and life lessons. So that's like, that's where he's still helpful in everything, you know? I'll it's the him. children of the magic MJ generation. I think that's this decade with basketball players watching them it's not like they weren't brands before. Yeah. I think the difference now is it's almost like with SNL in the early nineties, when the SNL cast members started getting movies yeah. and people started looking at SNL, like I'll go there for a couple of years and then I'll become a movie star. Yeah, exactly. And people, the that NBA did not like, work though for those. Well, SNL for sometimes people. it didn't work, Some but it was always, they saw this other carrot that was kind of yeah. dangling over in the corner. Yeah. And I think with basketball now, um, these guys are coming in because they're learning from the previous generation and they're learning. Yeah. Somebody like Durant comes in and he's learning from not just the magic generation, but really the LeBron and Kobe generation of like, here are all the things that can happen to you once you hit this level and you can start a business and yeah. you can represent yourself yeah. and you know, I all these different swear, things. I, it's I amazing. Swear to you though, I think the people that were just as impactful that are just as impactful in this culture of athletes that are successful yeah. are Jay-Z, Puff Daddy, Dr. Dre, Jimmy Iovine. Those people have such an influence on, I, there's, Kevin and I have so many conversations where I'll reference something I learned listening to Jay-Z, even if I wasn't involved, just being in a room, being in a studio, and how he would have handled something or how, you know, even like, you know, Juan is his partner, for instance, or Tata is his friend, or whoever, Emery, whoever these guys are, their dynamics, like taking some lead from what I watched and how they handle the situation to how maybe I can do that for Kevin in our business and how we handle our situations and stuff. And I, I think that they look at um, the blueprint. Clearly, LeBron, um, I think for basketball players, in terms of building a business of this magnitude, well, but Magic did it before him. But Magic did it, ways. but Magic didn't do it while he was playing. True. Right? And, and LeBron I, was the first one. And Michael like, Jordan did I'm it. Playing. And I'm not, Michael Jordan, I've never done business with him. And I and I would assume he's a great businessman. I don't know, but I would assume he is. But his business is 
so big. So it's like Michael Jordan did it while he was playing, and then the Michael Jordan logo icon, all of that. How about is that? How about him so controlling big. his own footage? Michael Jordan pulled that off. That's incredible. I mean, that's but that's he like pulled off some incredible shit. Yes, that's some and doesn't talk about it. No. So like most people today. And and I'm victim to everybody's victim to. We just live in a different age. Like if I could, if I were, if I worked out some deal to control all of Kevin's footage, one way or the other, you'd all know that I worked out some deal to control Kevin's footage. And I'm not saying that I would do it in like some like selfless plug, a shameless plug. I would just like that's how you have to continue to compete now. Michael Jordan just worked out a great deal, right? If he really did, I don't know that, but he did it. They kind of owed it to him. Yeah. Um, but LeBron, hold is, on, we're LeBron taking a- is doing this during his career. That's insane. I have a Kenny, I'm bringing Kenny Anderson into this. Love Kenny Are you getting Anderson. excited? But I first, we're going to take a break. Let's talk about Wink. Not when you wink at somebody, but Wink, W-I-N-C. Wink makes it easy to discover great wine by shipping wines that are personalized for you right to your door. It's the best day of your month, all starting at just $13 a bottle. Just answer a few simple questions in Wink's palate profile quiz, like how do you take your coffee? How do you feel about blueberries? Then Wink sends you wines curated to your taste. The more wines you rate, the more personalized your monthly selections. Each month, new delicious wines like the insanely popular Summer Water Rosé. No membership fees, skip any month, cancel any time. Shipping covered. If you don't like a bottle, they'll replace it with one you will love. Discover great wine today. Go to trywink, T-R-Y-W-I-N-C.com slash BS. Guess what? You get $20 off your first shipment. Again, trywink.com slash BS for $20 off. Trywink.com slash BS. All right, back. Kenny Anderson. So I look at the Kenny Anderson generation compared to the KD generation and now the Jason Tatum, Ben Simmons generation. I mean, with all, I love Kenny Anderson. I grew up in New York City, but the Kenny Anderson generation. Stay with me. Okay, talk to me. So you're in that shack, Kenny Anderson, Chris Weber. Yeah. I've written about this. I okay. called it in my book the too, too much too soon generation. Oh, got it, got it, got it. They come into the league, they're 20. They're immediately making, you know, they're guaranteed 50, 60, 70 million bucks. They have no idea what they're doing. They have all these crazy people in their lives and family members and and no real roadmap on how to handle it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them handled it badly. And I, I look at somebody like Kenny Anderson, 1992 Kenny Anderson, who's still one of the most talented point guards I've ever seen in my life at Georgia Tech. Yeah. If you just put him in a time machine and just put him in this era, no matter how hard his life was as a child, but he's at least seeing all these role models that you have now. He comes to the NBA. He's got to work for his his max contract. He's got all these people that he can kind of count on and get counsel from. His whole career is completely different. I look at somebody like Tatum. I don't know how much you read about Tatum's going to be unbelievable. Yeah. But that dude was like, he was about as poor as you get in St. Louis mm-hmm. and had a really rough life. And was able, like a lot of these guys do, to rise above it, use basketball as the escape route, all that stuff. But he handles his business really well at age 20. And I think the reason he handles it well is- When you say his business, you mean on the court or off the court? Both. Yeah. He just works hard and doesn't get in trouble, doesn't say anything. And I really think it's the LeBron and KG generation. KG? uh, KD. Okay. That have, the way those guys handle their business, the young guys that come up are like, I want to be like those guys. This is how they do it. Yeah, that's dope. And I don't, I don't feel like that was the case until this decade. No, you know what's funny? It's, it's. It, you say Kenny Anderson. That's true. I swear to you, I wish I could have been around and been in the role I'm in now when Marbury was around. I would have 
I Marbury is now he's another one. Marbury yeah, made mean, every mistake Steph, you can make for yeah. ten years. And I mean, and man, I've watched I watched him. I used to go to Golden Hoops when he was a junior and like Felipe Lopez was a senior. I mean, still to this day, like the top five basketball players I've watched live. It was insane. He could go by anybody. Anybody, he everyone. He, his lift on his jump shot was insane. Yeah. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. And he was just, I mean, the way he got to the hoop was like Derrick Rose and Russell Westbrook, but like way before that, it was insane. Really tough life, but guys have tough lives now and they're fine. And yeah. I think back then, if you had a tough life and then a lot of stuff thrown at you, just the degree of difficulty yeah, but became you know, harder. But what also what happens is, is you... You know what, what happens is a lot of times people talk about the life they had before they had money. So like you re, you refer to their life as tough because they had no money and no question. Well, no, my, I mean, more than no money. Well, no, it's I'm like, not how saying, am I having dinner tonight? Of course. No, no. Listen, I'm not taking away from that. But what, yeah. that's. Or like people are like, yeah, we're not going to have poverty, electricity for December. But poverty, of course, like nothing can put you in a position mentally to be able to overcome that. And I haven't dealt with it. I'm just saying yeah. I could, I can't even imagine. But if you have a loving home and loving parents, you and, and perspective and, um, and some kind of uh, understanding of hard work and being grounded, you will have a chance to, to survive it. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes no, no matter what you do, no matter what circumstances you get out of it. If you're in a broken, fucked up home, no matter how much money you have, it could also fuck you up. There's no like, you know, rhyme or reason either one. What I don't think people realize though sometimes is once these guys get in the league, it's not smooth sailing right. from then on. The issues that come up in your life with your friends, with your business, with your family. Extended family. All of it is like, so I don't know. I'm not saying Stefan Marbury went through that. I know nothing. Well, his family is pretty. I, I mean, don't know, but I don't know family, that. Though. So I don't yeah. know anything about his life, but I'm saying that Marbury we don't know what goes on when they're dealing with that. Like, I don't think people understand what LeBron, let's just take LeBron. It'd be ridiculous if I just talked about Kevin Durant. But, and I don't know anything about, I mean, I know LeBron, but I'm saying, I don't know day to day. LeBron James has so much stress, period. Yeah. That he's got to deal with. On top of the load he has on the basketball court, the business he runs, the foundation he has, it's just stressful. It's stressful when you can't see your kids every day. You travel all the time, right? I'm leaving after this game and I'm going back for my daughter's birthday and I'm coming back. It's I'm blessed to be able to do that. This, these are two great things. But that stuff all adds onto it. And maybe like Marbury had all this stuff happening and it just broke him, you know, or maybe it was back in his child. I don't just know. Just bad advice. Like you think or about bad it. Advice. He was eligible for a max contract after his third year. I think he was like 22 maybe. Yeah. And he's with KG, who's one of the best players of that generation. And KG had just signed for 120 million. And Marbury gets it in his head. Well, I want to be the guy on my own team. Yeah, I don't need KG. It's like actually, you should never want to leave KG. Agreed. This is the best thing that ever yeah. happened to you. But no and one knew that. Now then. he's. Like, well, no, they knew KG was. No, 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 no. I'm saying, but people that was they just didn't know. It's like I need my own team. Yeah. I need, I'll make the most money. But that on should have team. broken Marbury. Yeah, but it's like if that's he's, not why you put Vaseline on your face. No, like, he's definitely there's some. <laughs> Some shit that happened, but and I'm not even saying that to be foul. I, I still love Stephon Marbury. I'm just saying that's not what it was. Whatever it was, I don't know, but that wasn't it. It took him a while to get to that point. He was still really good. I mean, he was he good was, enough to yeah. be a starter on the Olympic team Remember even his, in 2004. You know what's fun? Him and AI's All Star fourth quarter, amazing together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So KD um, comes here, mm. and then you've, and then at some point you just realized that that. Your entire business was KD, and you no, dumped everything else. Before. We were doing that before you came here. So what year was that? 
It was like the last year in Oklahoma. Yeah. But I told, but I was telling, I had been telling Jay-Z and Juan and them the whole time. I was like, listen, first I was like, I love all of this and I love the opportunity, but I quickly realized that like this, the business of basketball, football, baseball, we're no different than saying like, yeah, I work in film and I work in the culinary arts and I work in this like, you know, at 35, I'm 41 now, at 35 to jump into that business. It's not like I could have been a real, in my opinion, I couldn't do what I wanted to do in all, every sport because it just felt like- Well, I'd say basketball is the best position for it. Basketball and the hip hop, no, 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 for Slash sure. But what I'm saying is, is like, each other the I just, just I, I didn't see how I was going to like rep. You right. Know, a tennis player and, and KD then this, and, then, and yeah. do it the way I wanted to do it. I like to really be in the weeds, you know, like I like, I'm at the games, I'm at every photo shoot and I don't have to be, I'm at every charity appearance. I don't have to be. It's just, I like to be, if he's got to do it, I got to do it. That's how we can build a great business together. Like I don't want him did to, you, him. did you see the Silicon Valley potential when you moved here or, or is it something yeah, that, I mean, of course, but but like that, he like wasn't, how Kevin it was. wasn't trying to hear that. It's not like, I was like, all right, pros, tech companies, cons, like not as close to like where you grew up. Like that wasn't, that wasn't one of them. All basketball for him. It was all basketball. Yeah. But for you, you were thinking like, it's all basketball, but also, well, if we want to really start a business and potentially own a piece of an NBA team or an entire NBA um, team someday, this would be a nice place to be. I, I know. No? You, you know, I know it sounds like it's bullshit, but no. But now you see it. Well, I saw it. I saw it then, but it's not how I looked at it because that it, that was not fair to him. Because then I could have been like, okay, well, I think you should go to the Knicks because then we're in the middle of Madison Avenue. Oh, and I live down the block. Oh, I think we should go to the Lakers because then you know we should be in the hot. Like you're you know. a Knicks fan, you knew you shouldn't have gone to the Knicks. Well, no, I know. You might as well just like slice his hamstring. <laughs> That's sick. <laughs> That's sick. It's like going uh, to a haunted house. Slice a hamstring. <laughs> you can't do that to somebody you care about. That's Send not to true. the Knicks. The Knicks are going to be fine, man. No, they're not. What are you talking about? Okay. They're never going to be fine. That's not true. They'll be fine when they have the right you know owner and the true. right, right you're person just, running You're it. just cocky because you guys are about to have like a 10-year 10 10 year dynasty. Point to me the NBA team that has succeeded with, uh, with terrible management and bad ownership. They don't have terrible management. They don't. Steve Mills and Scott Perry are not terrible managers. And I don't know James Dolan. Did, were those the guys that passed on Donovan Mitchell to take Frank Nedelinka? There's also 13 other people that passed okay. on Donovan Mitchell. Well, I, I, I'll, I'll prove it to me someday when they have good management. You they send me a text when management. you're like, here are three things they've done that have been great. They drafted Porzingis. They put, have you seen the, the concession stands in the garden? They're insane now. That is great. That's a good job. By yeah. the way. Good concession stands. Mm -hmm. All right. That's great. When you're talking about uh, the concession stands, that's where you want to be as an NBA I mean, franchise. Uh, I mean, you, you don't want to have bad concession stands. Sure, it's great. All right. Uh, so KD comes here. Yeah. So Ke well, we had a business already. And what you found out to you, we had a business already. It wasn't unbeknownst to me. I we had a business, business, and we and we still we had actually invested in in some uh, tech companies before we even moved out here. But we can I ask you a question? No. How much of this? is these rich dudes who are all just around other rich dudes all day are just excited that Kevin Durant's coming to their office to hang out with them from three to four and they I get to know. meet Kevin Durant. I don't know. But that's a positive for you, right? Of course. 
And of then course. you're there, and they're like, "Hey, man, hey, by the you way, know what? you're like, you know you what you flutter. are? You're one of those guys who uh, I'm not one of those guys. When, don't when, talk about, don't disparage you me. Don't, you don't like people that have trust funds that become successful. No. I don't I, like people that have trust funds that don't work. But if they got a trust fund and they still busted their ass what? and built a business, that, that's, that's great. Completely not what I said. Hater. I'm, I'm saying it's an advantage. <laughs> Of course it's an advantage. It's a huge advantage. It's as big an advantage as there is. Yeah. But but you also have to know which ones to leverage. You got to know which ones to leverage. You got to know um you got to know which companies and 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 which venture capitalists and and which um areas and trends that probably are built for I just totally zoned out. I was looking at this. Sorry, my bad. I was looking at this crazy thing in that pit. I thought it was art, and then I realized Tommy I was. I thought in you it. just smoked a vape pen or something. No, I didn't know what I happened. I was like, I swear to God, I was like, that's like, sick. that guy looks like Tommy. I was like, it's sick. It looks like the hotel room, and then I was like, uh, fuck, Tommy's in it. Um, How yeah, do of you- course, you got to like. Obviously, Kevin is an incredible, the preeminent within our business. It's Kevin Durant Enterprise. It's the Durant Company. It's 35 Media. It's Kevin Durant Charity Foundation. All four of the pillars of our business. Yeah. It doesn't even happen if there's no Kevin Durant. That's why I say to everyone that works with us, like, let's not forget if he, he the basketball's first, always. Nothing's getting in the way of that, period. Basketball, basketball, basketball. It's why we have a sneaker deal. It's why we have brand deals. It's why we're able to invest in the companies we invest in. And it's why we're able to create these shows and these, and these, um, and these content platforms that we're putting out, of course, but then we had to know how to do it and we got to do it right. We got to execute it better than other people. We got to be in the right rooms and um, we got to know how to run a business. How replicable is it? Because it seems like there's no real way this works unless you guys are just super tight. It seems like you need that one person that you're intertwined with. I don't know how this would work if it's like five people. Five athletes? No, no. If it's one athlete with like five people trying to do this for him, ultimately they need the one person they're I tied think so. to, right? I think so. I mean, I think it's probably different for everybody. For for Kevin and I, I think that like the trust level we have in our partnership is, and um, the fact that our goals and our kind of vision and our style of going about it are so in line that it works. So he trusts me across the board but we then bring the right people into play that can help execute on our vision for each one of the things yeah. we're working on. But yeah, for sure, I think it would be really tough for Kevin to be like, yo, Rich, let me call you right back. I'm on the phone with my film partner. Well, hold up, let yeah, me call you back. He needs the one conduit who does yeah, it. I, but yeah, I that think that's sense. probably, I mean, I would assume that's for, you know, LeBron has his incredible, you know, his team around him. That it, You know, he has Randy and Maverick and Rich, but all of them are, this their their trust and their relationship as the four of them is so strong that they're able to do that right because they're all intertwined and work together but that's as rare as it gets you know yeah. you're not going to get that we've done five podcasts with with KD the, the, well yeah and this is the sixth one but no, no KD this, is, this doesn't count as though whatever this is different this is different um, this is sidebar this is like when um People, nobody. It's like would, a spinoff of, uh, but the, the spinoffs don't work. So it's like the, yeah, it's. I'm trying to think of a good spinoff. Think of it. Uh, it's like the Ropers. Though I was going to say the Ropers. I don't know if that was too dated for you. No, I love the Ropers. The Ropers was good, but it's Ropers like the good. Ropers. That you know, but no one really watched it. Like the Cleveland show. Oh, the uh, Cleveland show. Better yeah, Better Call Saul, another one. Better Call Saul, um, but yeah, but that this yeah. People, nobody could fully understand why KD wanted to do those podcasts. And I would explain it to them like, 
because he just wants to yeah, those are have honest that, conversations with people. You should tell all those people they take life way too seriously. Like, what, why, what do you That's mean? That's the internet, though. That's what we do. Why would he do it? What does he get out of it? Yeah. What, what's in it for him? What are you and Rich up to? Like, what, the, what do you mean? He wanted to do a podcast. He's not, what do you think he, like, why are you doing any, why does anyone do anything? <laughs> I think. <laughs> I don't want to get it. What do you mean? Yeah, the thing. You yeah, want to do a podcast with you. You want to talk. It's fun. You two are friends. You get along. You both love basketball. Why else would he do it? I think my takeaway from it was just, he he's all about truth getting to the truth of stuff and oh, he wants no, to have these conversations no he's just it. like let's shoot the shit here's how i feel i'm not hiding behind stuff this isn't the press conference version of me yeah here are my thoughts on things I the guess. only thing that, that there was only one third rail that we ever had and it was westbrook anytime it veered toward westbrook it was the only time i could feel him pulling back other than that he would talk about anything the westbrook thing i think was so raw that we, we that's the one topic we've never really had an honest conversation about on the podcast. Yeah, but I'll put and, we, it, and it might never happen. Well, but put it no, but that's probably because he comes to do the podcast with you because if I I don't know, but I I my guess is more because of what I said. <laughs> yeah, you're saying because it's the truth. Da 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 da. Cool. Maybe maybe there's like an underlying thing. I think it's because he has a good time. He loves talking basketball with you. He's comfortable. He knows that it's interesting to people to hear what he has to say, and he wants his fans to be able to get that. But if this is a comfortable setting. And then just like any other friendship or relationship, you bring something up and you say, you know what, man, I'd rather not talk about that. Yeah. That's all it is. He's not hiding for anything. I mean, no. he loves Russell. So it's more like, I mean, there there is nothing there. <laughs> Like, no, I know there's nothing there. Yeah, so I, I just think, think it's more to do with that. Like, okay. I like, don't think he has enough distance from basically those guys splitting up to talk about it in a way he's comfortable also, with. I yet. think it's, it's foul to talk about. Why would he talk about that? That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, I just like, don't think he's ready yet. But why At some would he point talk it's going to be. But then he'll talk about it with him. That's what I mean. Yeah, he's not going to be like, Bill, I'm ready. No. <laughs> no, but here's where he's going to be. <laughs> Here's what it's going to be. It's going to be Russell's in town on on January 13th. We're ready to do a podcast. Oh, that's when he'll oh, be ready. Oh, you want them to do it with you, you're saying? That's when he'll be ready. Oh, I don't. I mean, I don't. Maybe. I don't. I mean, or maybe not. Might I never doubt happen. it. Might, it might be one of those NBA TV things like Shaq and Kobe had like 25 years later. No chance. That, I don't. Get their faces caked with makeup as they stare at each other. Russ. <laughs> Why? I do think people ask me. I always got, I get asked about the KD pods, you know, every so often. But like, hey, people what's, really what's he did like? not like that last one we did, huh? I don't. I never pay attention to the feedback on it. Well, what was the feedback, they, Tommy? You pay attention to it. The yeah, numbers pe were people well, like all of them. I got the feeling people didn't really like it. No, I, I think people were confused that KD still has like a like a bubbling anger underneath everything, and they don't f fully understand he that. Doesn't that's the funny? Well, thing. that's the th but I. The thing is, like, if, if you're in the room for those, it's it's almost like it's like a busting balls, like kind of going back and forth. It's not that it doesn't it's not in the doesn't feel like in the room what maybe it sounds like a little bit. Yeah. Um. But I do think I get it. But... My big takeaway on him is just having spent the time with him that we spent is just like I think he's still like his feelings are still hurt by the OKC thing a little bit, and I I don't think he's fully recovered from it. I really don't. I think. I think he thought his relationship with those, with that city and the fans was so good 
Yeah. And so special. Yeah. That when he decided it was time to leave, they were going to be like, thank you. Good luck. We're still rooting for you. You're still part of this. And when that didn't happen, I think it, it, it made him, and that's a lot of the themes in our podcast that we've done. We did five, probably came up in four of them. Yeah. Like, Maybe. just like, oh shit. I, honestly, you know, I think this, like is, his whole concept of loyalty now is shaped from a lot of that and a lot of like, why can't players pick where they want to go? Why, who, why do I owe anything? And all Maybe. that stuff, and it all came from that summer. Maybe. Honestly, I know that you're going to think this is like really whack of me to say, but like, I honestly, that's my, fr I, I, why, that, I can't talk about that with you. That's I know. my friend. I'm just telling you what people tell, what tell, what they tell me about. Oh. They're like, people come up to you and say that to you? Well, they ask me about KD and they're like, man, it still seems like he hasn't gotten over, blah, blah, blah. You know what I notice? Every once in a while, I'll see on Instagram. Hmm. you'll post a picture on like a night where like you went to take, how many kids do you have? Just two. Two. <laughs> Just two. Just two. That I know of. <laughs> Just two. This that's this is not a safe time to say things like that, Bill. Are you, are you, are you admonishing me? I'm just saying that you know about. <laughs> yeah, I have two. I have two you children. Have two, you have two kids. Two kids. Period. Two kids. <laughs> I know for a fact you don't have a love child somewhere else. Who knows? You never know. The 90s got crazy every once in a while. I don't know. I don't know At a Celtic there. game? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I was going to say was, wait, what were you just talking about? Oh, I, you'll post a picture and you'll be like... Um, you'll be at like a, a post-soccer game of your kids. You'll be like with some of the dads and shit. And you yeah. guys are probably having like a few beers and watching like the Bruins or something. Yeah. And they'll probably be like, yo, you gonna ask Bill? No, you ask Bill. No, you ask Bill. And they'll be like, yo, man, what's up with Kevin Durant, brah? No. <laughs> That's not how it goes. <laughs> he sounds so angry, Bill. What's up with him? It's much It's much more direct and easy than that. And usually it's the moms. It's the soccer moms that ask. But they're always really? like, I heard your Kevin Durant podcast. And then they'll go, what's he like? And I'll and I'll say. Then you didn't hear the podcast. I was like, "What he's on the podcast? That's what he's like." And yeah. they'll be like, "No, no, but what's he like?" And I'm like, "When the cameras that's are actually off. yeah." I was like, "That's actually what he's like." That's the cool thing about yeah. those podcasts is that's him. He's like that, and we could be at dinner. And it's, it's that, the, the same. moms really ask you that. Yeah. Did they ask you the same thing about like Al Pacino's podcast? Yeah. Like that when was I, I, had, so dope. I had Ethan Hawke on two weeks ago, so and I got a bunch do? of Ethan Hawke. Wow, what's he like? He yeah. sounded like a great guy. It's it's always what's he like. Yeah, that is funny. You're right. Yeah, because here's the thing, they don't. They're that's never going to the generation meet. though. That's that's funny. That's actually interesting because I bet you no one in their twenties would say that. Well, it's like you hear a podcast and it's so intimate. And it's a conversation. Like obviously, people who hear this, they can tell that we know each other. We bust each other's balls, all that stuff. Um, but they're always wondering: Is this performance theater conversation, yeah. or is, would this actually be the conversation if the mics weren't on? And I think the thing people don't understand with the KD the stuff that we've done is like maybe the first one was a little bit performance because we know each other that well but the last couple was like that's what it would have been like if the mics weren't there we would have had the same conversation yeah i might have busted his balls a little deeper on stuff but for the most part that's what it's that's what it's like you know which one i thought was amazing remember the one in la in the like cigar room that was the best one that might have been because you started with the we Q did the mailbag yeah the yeah. mailbag yeah, but that was also there was distance from the finals. You know what the problem is that we got to set new rules. I think the thing is we're all so no, we're comfortable. Done. We, we, Katie, we're retiring it. The last one was the last one. No. The next thing we, we're doing, we'll do something different. All right, but what I was going to say is it would have been cool if like you, Kevin, and Al Pacino. 
like a little mix it like mix it up like a little iconic now you're speaking tommy's language yeah like a little iconic class stuff you know what i'm saying it's cool you're well, good we wanted to do that with you last summer and then you were just the whole you were, summer you, you were, were taking, out, you, out were the taking loop. you guys were taking advantage of us you said <laughs> you guys started to think that it was like that it was, it was no just taking sweet. advantage yeah like like why weren't we like i don't start, like the andre the giant documentary for instance like i don't even we weren't even invited to like the release thing oh uh, that's that's a lie that documentary so, was good bro. not only that, that but shit we, was really we good. wanted to do a whole screening for the warriors we were gonna you know, come Bill, to san francisco and screen can i tell you something you. i and i don't take this and the wrong i told way. you were gonna love it. i don't want you guys anyone to take this the wrong way if i managed you you'd be out of here biggest you'd be a you'd be a rock star i'd be out of here <laughs> where am i going no you'd be on another level <laughs> another level you would <laughs> thank you Another level. Great. You're right. you're doing really well. I think Thanks. you have an incredible career. That's great. We have to do one with Rich and Baby Doll. Oh my God! Yeah, you versus Baby Doll. Baby New York Doll. versus New York. That's uh, my agent, James Baby Doll Dixon from Long Island, him. New York. I'll crush him. Yeah, it would be a good battle. I'll, no chance. It'd be a lot of New He's York. from Long Island. So you said you said before we started this this podcast was going to be big for you in the New York Jew circles. As I you, know that was your phrasing, not mine. I didn't say it would be big for me in the New York Jew circles. You know, I didn't say that. What did you say? I said it's funny how big you are in the New York City Jew circles. And then I said, No, you said your Q rating was going to go no, up because of the podcast. No, I experience. didn't. No, I didn't. I heard what I heard. No, I didn't. Nephew Kyle, what'd you hear? <laughs> that's not true. Nephew knows that's not true. I did not say that. All right. Um, I said that you are big in the New York City Jew circles. Oh, thank you. And that people. Um, will reference the podcast to me mm. quite a bit at my version of your like soccer mom things. Yeah, it's you cool. Have, I like it. I mean, I think it's I think it's great. Um, all right, we got to wrap up. Are you Jewish? No, but I went to a lot of bar mitzvahs when I was a kid. You did? Yeah, I went to a school that was probably seventy five percent Jewish. So I get it. Is my point? I would have been a great member of the tribe. <laughs> I really would have. I, w- I would have been. Uh, I would have been a phenomenal get it. member. What does that mean? I just get it. I just. I get it. I always. You get. You just yeah, get it. I, I just would have fit in. I would have made it. You would have made it. Would have been great. I would have really enjoyed it. So, all right. So uh, tonight. This is it tonight. Give me your yeah. prediction on the finals. I picked Warriors in five. I just think they have too much talent. But you know the way LeBron has been able to reinvent himself each series is is. Uh, could he make it like the 2015 finals? But a better version of it yeah. where he's just controlling it. And it's just these ugly games that he's just always kind of hanging around in. Yeah, maybe. Um, I, I, it's funny. I said at the beginning of the podcast, I think the Durant versus LeBron part of this series has now kind of been swept under the rug. Cause it's so much LeBron, LeBron versus MJ stuff. And it was like LeBron versus Durant last finals was fantastic. And yeah. this finals is the sequel of that. And that's like not even one of the four most compelling storylines. So it's a good one. And yeah. I, my fear is that the talent difference, it'll just be a demolition. But as you've seen all year, this Warriors team, they let teams hang around, they let up, they play well one game, and then they just suck the next game. And they've never been able to sustain a certain level, which yeah. is dangerous against a team like LeBron. Yeah. I know what your prediction a is. A team like LeBron? A team like LeBron. LeBron and the LeBronettes. That's not fair. LeBron That's and the cool. LeBronettes. That's not cool. What's Every not cool? Every single person on the Cavs could whoop your ass trying to think could i get in not one against punch. jose calderon i feel like nope. I, maybe nope nope jose who else is there why any? would you that's not cool to say that the Le, lebron Le, these are these are first of all it was a mistake oh 
I it, it was, was actually a Freudian <laughs> slip, I guess. Not Freudian slip, but yeah. I, instead of calling them Cleveland, I called them the LeBron. That's foul and not cool. Not true. They just went to four straight finals. Okay. Yeah. LeBron dragged them to this finals. He dragged them by by the hair. He dragged them to the finals. So they they were like just a corpse lying on the ground. He just was pulling their hands and their feet and their arms. That's foul. He played all 48 minutes in game six and game seven. Yeah. 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 <laughs> They're the Le- Cleveland LeBrons. They should just get rid of the Cavaliers. Were you how upset were you that Boston lost? I was devastated. Really? I really was. It, it was, I really thought the Celts were going to make it. And I thought Houston, there was a chance Houston could haymaker Golden State in game seven and we'd get to play the Rockets without Chris Paul. And all of a sudden we had a chance to win the title. You think you could have beat the Rockets without Chris Paul? We played them well every every game we've played them the last three years. So I was start really starting to get ideas. So next year, do you start Kyrie, Gordon, Jalen Brown, Tatum, and Horford? Yes. You come off the bench uh, you match Marcus Smart no matter what. You you could you could argue Jalen's the sixth man, and then maybe you start somebody else so you that's, can stagger, I, uh, and then you finish with that lineup. Okay, that's your death lineup. Yeah, your uh, 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 Smart we'll the Newton five. Yeah, the Newton five, <laughs> Chestnut Hill five. Uh, yeah, Marcus. Uh, he said no hometown discount, but there's not a lot of money out there. So, so I have Marcus a feeling Smart, back. you got it. Marcus Smart. So then you could Rozier get one more year, and then the good thing is you can make a decision after that, right? So you go Marcus Smart, Rozier, Baines, Baines is Morris. back, Morris is back. What about Anzic? That dude is he all right? No, he's on. Uh, they traded him. Yeah, he's he's on buried in the Cavs lineup now. Uh, they oh, have, that's right, he was in that trade. Yeah. I'm bugging. Um, but they, you know, there's a chance they move up in the draft. They have a whole bunch of stuff. And then what's the this. other? Oh yeah, Daniel Tease. That's who you're yeah, thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they okay, Daniel and then Tice. So they have who's picked they have this year? Just theirs? They have theirs, but we have four a year from now and a whole bunch Next of Next year you have Sacramento's. Stuff. Yeah. And who else? Uh Sacramento, top one protected. Clippers could get that. Uh it's like if it's like anything below 14. And then they have somebody else's pick. They have the Memphis pick if it's top eight protected. And then their own pick. If it's top eight, they're protected. Memphis sorry. goes top eight next year, top five the year after, and then unprotected in 21. So that's a pretty good trade chip. So that team is not heading anywhere. Wow. This is all stuff you could have told Kevin when you're in the Hamptons when the Celtics came to visit, but you did. didn't do your job. I did. Do, yeah, I did. He said on this podcast, you didn't tell him about this. I was there. He had no idea. That's not true. That's, did you think that he was going to misre- go there? He was misrepresented. What can I, mean, I say? I get, if, we, if Kevin went to the Celtics, we probably wouldn't have done one podcast. Put it, think about it that way. Yeah, that's true. It would have been corny. I don't know if you had the Alaska Airlines deal either. No chance. We, Maybe about we that. could have had like a. Yeah. All right, we got to go. There's right, a chance. There's a chance we might do another one of these at some point at a weird hour. Who Can does? We, a weird hour? Yeah. You, you're hiding me. You're burying me. No, just like at one in the morning. You're burying me. Maybe, maybe you and KD could just do it. I'm not even in it. It's just the two of you. We've been offered that. I'm just saying you can do one after like game three. Why, does, why don't you guys offer us one? What do you want? We'll make you an offer right now. You want a podcast? Yeah. <laughs> 10 episodes, 100,000 episodes. 100,000 an episode? Million. Give me 10 episodes. I'll make the money back. All right. We'll talk We'll talk after the podcast. Million dollars. Let me hold my own podcast. Not Kevin. Me. You? Trust me. I'll make you the money back. <laughs> What's the going right, rate Rich. for an ad for you guys? We'll talk about it afterwards. All right. Uh, 
Rich, good luck tonight. Good Thank luck during you. the series. You might pop on again. Let's Thanks for telling it, us your story. And by the way, I didn't the, even tell you my story. Get the life. ESPN has this OTT app. It's on what? This OTT app that they launched. Uh, the ESPN life should Plus? be on the OTT app. Yeah, because they have like all the 30s on there. Maybe get I'm the working on something on else with them. No, but get the life's on there. Oh, the oh, you mean archive? The library, yeah. Oh, yeah, we should tell Connor that. I'm going to tell cool. him. I'm going to text tell him right him. now. Tell him. All right. Thanks for coming on. All right, bro. Thanks so much to ZipRecruiter. Don't forget to check them out at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. It's prepared for anything. If a storm takes out your power, if a phone line gets cut, if a keypad gets destroyed, Simply Safe is ready. They'll get you the help you need. You don't need to be ready for every worst case scenario, but that's what makes Simply Safe great. It's always ready. I recommend it to everyone I know. Go today, simplysafe.com slash BS. That's simply safe with two eyes. Simplysafe.com slash BS. Thanks also to Flea Flicker. If fantasy, if your fantasy site makes managing the league difficult, switch to the site built for commissioners by commissioners. Flea Flicker. Email and live drafts, year-round access, taxi squads. It's the perfect platform for dynasty and keeper leagues. It's got customization for 125 scoring rules, 12 positions. It's just launched a magical one-click import tool for ESPN leagues. Move your ESPN league to Flea Flicker instantly, all with one easy click. It's 100% free. Find out why thousands of leagues have switched to Flea Flicker this season. Go to fleaflicker.com slash BS, F-L-E-A, flicker.com slash BS. We will be back. Who knows? If they, if game one's crazy, we'll come back and do a little emergency micropod tonight. If not... um. We will probably see you at some point over the weekend because we have a lot of stuff planned that's going to be a lot of fun over these next two weeks until then.